I want to thank those who uh, already shared today, some of my very best friends, and uh, thank you so much for being here today. And uh, uh, Kim, when she saw the order of service last night, said that I think they did this for you. Oh, happy day before the sermon, going up yonder after the sermon. Those are my songs. Nisha is the one, and uh, I'm encouraged. I hope you are as well. You know, the. I did want to just make a few comments about the REACH conference. I think it's appropriate. It, uh, we were able to go. We really enjoyed it. There were, in fact, thousands of people and hundreds of classes, and we talked to all of them and took every class. <laughs> Not really, but it felt like it. It seemed like there was maybe 250, 300 from North River, which every Sunday we do something, right, to make room. Uh, actually, so it's interesting. This is what we look like without a bunch of people up in St. Louis. Um, we, they are meeting this morning at the Edward Jones Dome, 17,000 people, and that's a good use for that facility now that the Rams have moved back to Los Angeles, you know, that's, you know, so perhaps that'll be the new best use for that, that building. We did have some helpful classes, you know, I'm able to serve as an elder here, and, uh, you know, you need training, you need camaraderie, you need continuing ed, right, and figuring out how to uh, shepherd and serve and lead, I think all of us felt strengthened. Um, I do want to share with you about the state of our churches around the world in a very brief way. There's an organized level of cooperation and collaboration that I think is very healthy and very encouraging. I wrote down a couple things so I wouldn't forget it. Let's see, uh, we've got uh, 667 church congregations in 150 countries. And I don't know, that's just 667 co congregations in 150 countries. That's encouraging, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And uh, it's... You know, and I, church congregations, I mean, we all have a congregation. We love ours here, I presume. And we're trying to make it the, the very best, the very healthiest uh, that, that we can and provide opportunities for people to attend, grow, serve, you know, here. And uh, be here a short time, be here a long time, whatever the, the end result is. But other congregations are doing that too. And that's just uh, very encouraging to realize. Probably a conference highlight for me was the Upside Down Theater performance. It was the first time we'd actually seen it live. I heard there was a live stream here at North River. It was fantastic. I heard it was really well attended by us and also some other folks in our sister congregations here in Atlanta. So that was very encouraging to hear. And I'm glad we finished that, that room. It was over there, right? So that we could have a good, uh, good showing. Um, but, you know, it really brought to, brought to light the book of Acts and the first century church and the discouragement that the disciples felt right after the crucifixion of their best friend Jesus and, and then their realization that he really did raise from the dead, which is what Christianity is all about and why we have happy days and, and why we endure hardships and, and why we, you know, serve God. I mean, this is the, the facts of Christianity and the core motivation, that love that God showed for us and sending his son and then fulfilling the prophecy that he said he would throughout the Old Testament. And that's a whole nother day, whole nother study if you want to get into it. There's a ton. But it was encouraging to see how real their relationships were. There's quite a lot of humor, uh, I, I felt like, in the, in the Upside Down. And, you know, we're, we're kind of funny people, aren't we? I mean, if we interact, then we can be serious and we can accomplish things and there's serious topics to discuss. But we're going through life together, you know, in our community here, in our fellowship community. And uh, they went through theirs as well in the first century with high points and low points, young people and old people. And they did it together. When it was all said and done, they lived their lives, died in their faith. And uh, that's what's going to happen for us one day too. Um, 
in the, on the fellowship side, which, which is fine, but you know, when you get older, you have a bunch of decades that you've been around. And so we've had four decades now as, as disciples. And so, you know, we have our friends from the 70s and friends from the 80s and 90s and the recent 10 or 15 years. And it was interesting to see people in all those, all those different stages of our life, keeping the faith, serving the Lord, doing their best, going to St. Louis, you know, bringing their little children or grandchildren. I mean, it just was encouraging. And uh, true confessions, you know, I'm like, yeah, in terms of going, you know, are you that way sometimes? And, but I'm real glad that I did. And uh, thank you so much. So anyway, that, that was fun. So we've been doing the book of Philippians and uh, it's been a great series. And uh, that is a good way to focus and learn, you know, to stay focused on something for a period of time. Don't we do that in college or high school? Not that we learn things, but you know what I'm saying? We, we stay on it for a little while and then we get, we get a little proficient in certain topics. And Philippians is that way, four chapters, rich with teaching, rich with memory verses, in life lessons. I mean, you could, we could talk about study. Even when I do Philippians 4 today, there's five more sermons, great sermons that you could do out of Philippians 4. But anyway, I like when we stay on topic for a little while. You seem to like that too. And... Um, I also like who I'm following behind. I went back and looked. It's like, this is pretty cool. Like, Douglas and Vicki did one three, four weeks ago on Philippians. And then our, our son, you know, son-in-law, John Boyles, did one a couple of weeks when a lot of us were in Stone Mountain. But there was a service here, and we got to do a doubleheader. That was a fun Sunday, you know. What's better than one, one game? Two, two worship services, right? So, but that was wonderful to hear him speak and what he presented there about friendships in Christ. And then to have Jeff, Jeff Hickman last week, you know, great lesson. You know, and I, know, I don't know about you, do you catch every Sunday? But I catch it one way or the other, either through live stream or being here. But a lot of us don't. And so it's helpful to have a lot of emphasis on a topic, you know, so we can all move forward together with a good understanding. But last week, you might recall, had a lot to do with, you know, let's just not hang our, our confidence on like a spiritual resume or a couple of events in our family. But let's really gain our confidence, you know, by, because of God's faithfulness, right? And because of his love for us and our relationship with him is, is so important. And so much is not based on a little bit of performance here or there, right? And so we moved away from that and we're preaching what I think is the right emphasis there. But that was great to follow those, those guys. I heard Wednesday night, we read all four chapters. Uh, in our midweek, and that's good. That's a biblical thing to do. No sermon, we just read it. And the Word of God is powerful. If I just got up here and read verses, what I'm about to say is my first verse. This will probably be the most powerful thing I've said so, so far, right? By far. We read the whole book of Philippians out loud and then prayed. What a great midweek. First Timothy 4.13 says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And boy, it's good to be in a Bible church that does Bible things. And probably that was read it out in public because people don't have Bibles 2,000 years ago and a lot of them can't read maybe and let's get the word out there. Today we got plenty of Bibles but still people aren't reading the word of God. So we've got to devote ourselves to the public reading of scripture and whether it be in the marketplace, in our homes, in our neighborhoods or here at North River on Austin Ave. And so that's what we're doing. So that was encouraging to hear. So I'm keeping up a little bit out even when I'm out of town. So for the skeptics and the smart people, I did do a little archaeology thing for you because I've, I may be just an unschooled ordinary guy, but I've got a black Bible and that is powerful stuff. It says, Paul came directly to Philippi after his vision of a man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us, Acts 16.9. Here he preached the gospel by a river 
was placed in prison and established his first and most beloved church on the European continent. Excavations were conducted in 1914. Many sections of the city were uncovered. Special attention was given to the forum, the marketplace, the theater, a library, and a reading room, and a rectangular podium which served as a place for speakers for the public reading of scripture, right? Um, of special interest, the Bible students were the foundations of a great arch gateway spanning uh, which led from the northwestern part of the city. This is believed to be the gateway out of which Paul and his companions went on the way to the riverside where they preached the gospel to the prayer group. Uh, for only, it was only about one mile to the west of the gateway and is the only real river in the vicinity of Philippi. I share that to you because sometimes when we talk and when we listen and we read the Bible, it's kind of like, okay, so here's another story. Let me tell you a story, <laughs> you know, from the Bible. This is a good story, people. This is so much more than a story. This is like a real place where real things happened, where real people lived, and even though it was a long time ago, there are real valuable lessons for us to learn today at 11 o'clock on July 10th. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then we'll continue on. God, it's so wonderful to be here today together, to, uh, to have learned lessons, to be able to share those with others, to have some knowledge of Scripture, and... And also, God, to be taught and to be moved and to be touched by your word. And God, our, we're, we're trying to be a humble people, humble ourselves before you. And we are happy that uh, you've given us the opportunity to be baptized. But God, we're even happier to know that there's an ongoing cleansing for those that are in Christ. Because we know we're a sinful people. And uh, we pray, God, that you'll encourage our hearts and souls today. That you'll give us all... Uh, deeper convictions and a couple of things to change and grow in uh, that are doable for each one of us and that your spirit will work and provide and give us the direction that we need. God, we marvel at your greatness, at your tenderness, at the scriptures, at the faith of people then and now. And God, help us to be spiritually alert and growing in our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn over with, with me to uh, Philippians chapter 4, please. So we're good so far? No reverberation. You can hear, not too loud. Still awake. Good. Philippians chapter 4. Okay, cool. It's interesting how Paul starts. He says, therefore, my brothers. And, you know, the Christian fellowship is a family, right? It's about brothers and sisters in Christ. Not when I grew up. There was my real friends. I did sports with, and then there's the people I sat next to church where I tried not to become friends with. That's a whole nother thing. But, but Paul says, therefore, my brothers, now, by the way, that's changed. I do all that together. It's the basketball, the sit next to, the meals, the church. We're brothers in Christ. It says, therefore, my brothers, for whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Talking about the first three chapters. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntec to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, you loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
I'm going to stop there, but I think you see what I mean. That there's just richness there. It, you, you may feel ministered to, don't you, just me reading that out loud. Because Paul and the Holy Spirit, of course, more importantly, is speaking to us. Is trying to touch our hearts. And there's that tender love of brothers and sisters, dear friends, let me talk to you. Let me address you. Let me help you. I feel that way toward this congregation. Have a bit of a paternal feel probably because I'm a granddad, but also because I've known you for so long, many of you, and we've, we've gone through things together, including the birth of the, this church, by the way, which happened in July of 2005 after about nine months of labor. That's what happened. But uh, Paul thinks, man, I've invested. I'm going to go ahead and express. I've got my blood, sweat, and tears in this church at Philippi. He remembers Acts 16. He lived it, right? Where he's trying to go someplace and the spirit keeps stopping him. I want to go. No, I want to go. Which is strange because the spirit likes to preach, right? And they're stopping Paul. Stopping Paul. No to Bithynia. No to Asia. He said, yes to Macedonia. You get one of those dreams, one of those prayers. Maybe we should go somewhere, you know. Let's go to Macedonia. He says, okay, here we go. He says, there's a man there calling, calling out. And so, man, what a great disciple. He goes. And of course, who does he run into that very first day? A group of women. Okay, that's close. That's close to the vision. And that's valuable. That's fantastic. He runs into a group of women and at a place of prayer and, and baptizes a group of people. Okay, so he's still, you know, preaching and preaching and goes out the next one, meets another woman. She's a little crazy, I think, if I remember, or does, you know, magic arts or something. And, you know, creates a little bit of a stir because he takes away someone's livelihood, you know, these fake miracle stuff that go on. You know, he busted that up, so he gets thrown in jail. Has he met the guy yet? Doesn't seem like it. The Bible doesn't seem to record that. Still looking. You looking? All right, well, what do you do at midnight in jail? Hey, you sing a couple hymns, you rejoice, you pray. Is that what you do? I'm like whining right now. You know. And no, he's like amazing. Totally amazing. People hear it. You know the story. The jailer hears the message. And instead of after an earthquake... And here's the singing, feels the earthquake, and he does something which is pretty remarkable. He says, he runs to Paul in a submissive way. The guy in charge runs to the prisoner who's beaten and says, what must I do to be saved? That's a good question. And fortunately, if you go and read Acts 16, you'll know, know the answer. So during the middle of the night, he finds the guy, I assume, it's the jailer, the vision, and, and baptizes he and his family. So Paul, understandably, has a lot of close feelings related to the church at Philippi. Can you understand that? You get that now? You feel close to the situation? Paul is emotionally connected. Those of us, a hundred or so, who are in the room, uh, who were here in July of 2005, and those who came in 2006 and 7 and 8, I know. But still, we feel emotionally connected. We care about the, the, this church congregation. We, we want it to do well. We want it to flourish. We want people to be happy. We want folks to resolve conflicts. And conflicts are one of those things that are common and normal and left to themselves can spread like, like what? Like a bad habit. Like a bad odor. You know, like a situation that just starts to affect. So I want to look at that, that, that comment there that's made in verse 2. We want to plead with these sisters to agree with each other in the Lord. 
You know, there's a couple of other ways you could translate that, to live in harmony, you know, to be of the same mind. It's probably not a doctrinal dispute. Otherwise, Paul would have corrected it right there, right? You know, say it was infant sprinkling, which didn't be, that false teaching didn't begin for another three or four hundred years. Let's say that had started earlier. Then Paul said, hey guys, ladies, people, uh, let me just clear this up for you. <laughs> so it probably wasn't doctrinal. It was probably relational. It was probably an opinion. It was probably, you have opinions? Wow, I had breakfast, me and some other people. I have, we have strong opinions and preferences and thoughts on a lot of things. And it was like, I was exhausted after the breakfast. Uh, it's, it's exhausting enough just to be with me and all my opinions, but <laughs> got three other people. Oh my gosh, two other people. Fortunately, Kim's easy going. But uh, the other two, you know, they had, they had a lot to say. So, so when you have these kind of situations, what do you do? You know? And here's my advice to you as an older guy and as a person who cares about this church deeply. Take some time to understand the other person's point of view. Speak to one another like you like each other, like you love each other, like we're all in this together. You know, we're not angry with each other. We're, we love each other. We're, we're family. We're brothers and sisters. I know some of us come from families where screaming is a normal behavior. I don't think it is biblically and I don't really like it. How about you? So let's not do it that way, but let's talk. Let's understand other people's point of view. Let's be humble to accept the other person's point of view. Let's try to be mutually submissive. To one another. You know, we love Ephesians 5.22 because we can talk to the women, can't we? Come on women, come on sisters, wives, you know, su submit to those husbands. But right before that, in the spirit of it all, and I love how with the, the guy who wrote down where the chapter break was, put it right above the name so you wouldn't see it. He says, hey, submit to one another in verse 21 out of reverence for Christ. And so when you come into a relationship, marriage or otherwise, or a church relationship, where people are trying to be mutually submissive, supportive, you know, not dominant, not mean and ugly to each other, but hey, let me understand, then, you know, you can get in your roles and enjoy being saved and enjoy being a part of a church family like ours. You know, I don't know who the women were, but Paul mentions their names, and that's sort of interesting. I would be uncomfortable, would you, if I called out a couple of names? You know, unless it was real positive. But uh, he mentions the name. I don't know if that's the jailer's wife and Lydia's sister. I don't know. But it's some prominent women that some things are going on. Now, why does he mention it? Why am I mentioning it? Because it affects the church. It's seeds of discord spread. It, it hurts our relationship, and it's a poor witness to, to the world. You know, I didn't grow up in a family that resolved conflicts. We didn't talk. We didn't have family meetings. We swept things under the rug. I didn't go to a Protestant group that resolved conflicts, that, that talked, that resolved things. So this was a new thing for me. And it's hard, seems like. But the other is so painful that this is way better, right? And functional. But you got to learn how to do this. I don't know if you're a conflict avoider or you like creating conflicts. But, uh, <laughs> but Earlier this month, I was real surprised and pleased because we were having a conflict amongst the six adults in our family, mainly because of me, and we were on vacation. I don't know why. I guess you have time to relax and be, be sinful on vacation or something, or be yourself or whatever it's called. And, and so we had scooted the grandkids off to camp, you know, 
And to my great surprise, the six of us sat out. There was no ringing of a bell. There was no, hey, now's the time to have our annual meeting where we help Ross. It was just, we all sat down. And we love each other. And fortunately, you know, I have wonderful, the other five are wonderful people. I mean, Kim is wonderful. You know, Cameron, great young man. Uh, Katie, I mean, great person, right, Katie? And, and then John and Lauren are a wonderful addition, right? Because Lauren's always been a part of our family. But John's come in, the same John Boyles that spoke a couple weeks ago. And he's sort of pastoral, sort of, MDiv, you know, all those things he talked about. But then, and, and Lauren's sort of a counselor, right? Because that's what she is and does and always has been. Even when she was your all's age, people would come to her, hey, how do you handle th this teacher? Well, you know, so find your gift. When somebody's asking, I mean, hey, maybe I should move toward counseling as, a, as an adult. But anyway, that's where she ended up. And it was wonderful. We felt ministered to, felt resolved, felt encouraged. It was so, and I, I went and had another quiet time after that and just wrote down all the stuff that I learned. And it was like, and I thought, man, this is so great to, to not let things go, to not just ignore. It's intimidating. You think my kids want to talk to me? They do, but should they want to? Maybe not. But we've encouraged that kind of behavior. And it's just interesting how it just evolved. I'm just giving you a picture of something I was shocked at in terms of function. So take it for what it's worth. But that's what happened to me just recently. So I don't know what these ladies were unhappy about. I, don't, I could guess it usually has something to do with unfairness, feeling neglected, being competitive, strong personalities. Act six, we know, it was, hey, the different groups aren't getting, you know, the same amount of food, you know, Jews and non-Jews. I mean, did they have tensions back then? Yes. Do we have tensions today? Of course. And as a church, is the church an amazing example to, to our world? It really is. Uh, is it exempt from struggles like that? No. And I really think that this is one of the most unique things about Christianity, and I'll talk about another one in a minute. The fact that we stay together, the fact that we talk about things, we can express, you can come up to me later, hey, I didn't like that one example you used. Well, that's fine, and try to give me one you like, that's good. I'll stay for about 10 minutes, and then I'm going to scoot on. John's back, you can talk to him. But, uh, but no, you know what I'm saying, it's such an interesting... And, and wonderful thing when there's that kind of functionality. So let me, let me ask you, what are your, some of your topics of strong opinion? You know what they are. What are the things that, that bug you? What are the things that you talk about with two or three friends that, man, if I was in charge, I'd be singing, oh, happy day. I'd be in charge of the children's ministry. We wouldn't have canceled the children's ministry this summer. Who did that? You know, it just goes on and on and on. Because we all have thoughts and opinions, which is fine. But when it creates a conflict, when it starts to tear down the family, when it's not, when it doesn't get resolved, it's not positive. And can you just imagine how many things like that are going on amongst a thousand people? It's amazing we even want to sit down and take communion together. Because there's a ton of things like that. There has to be. We're sinners. And we don't resolve things well. And we'd rather talk to somebody who would agree with our point of view than somebody that can maybe help us with our point of view, right? And so, you know, that's why I'm saying this, is because after, I'll tell you, after building this for the last 10 or 12 years, 
I've spent a lot of energy. So personally, I'd love for this to continue on in a healthy way. I just want a place to go to church that's great when I'm 75. Is that too much to hope for? Um, so think about your strong opinions and try to get it together on that where, where we don't hurt one another with our, our thoughts. Verse 4, if you don't mind. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you have the capacity to memorize some verses, that would be a good one. Yeah. Write it on a card, stick it in your pocket, put it on your computer at work. Let this marinate and so many other wonderful passages. Because this, if this was easy to do, he wouldn't have said it twice. You know, and it's an encouraging passage until you try to obey. It's, it's very difficult every stage of life. Every day, really. We see things, we hear things, there's, we experience hardship, discomfort, pain, suffering, and we're like, I'm not happy about this. Gotcha. Me neither. Many times I'm not happy. But I've got to figure out how to rejoice. How about you? I've got to figure out how to, how to take this, how to process this, how to get happy about who I am and where I am in the small or big scheme of things. And one of the reasons why this is so important, I think maybe one of the biggest reasons, is because it's a very large witness to, to the world. Because it's so unusual. John, it's unusual to go into a hospital and to come out with greater spiritual appreciation for things and make some new friends there and bring them to church and, and struggle for a little while because, oh my gosh, do we want to have health challenges? Of course not. But then after about a week, a spiritual person like John and us will say, you know, there's a couple things that really were positive about, about that. That's unusual. That's not the norm, to say the least. A diverse room. I like that. That's cool. But I went to a Fox Sports Bar and Restaurant in St. Louis. It's not as diverse as our room, but it was pretty close. High energy. I like high energy. It's kind of fun. I don't want, you know, hey, Nisha, here we go. We're going up yonder. But you can also get that at a college football game, you know. Great music, I like it, but I go to the Fox, Chastain, Phillips Arena, I do some other stuff for great music. Full immersion, hey, biblical, but they also do it at Lake Altoona this afternoon when you fall off a tube. <laughs> and, but when we choose to endure hardship, when we deal with it honestly, when we come out of it stronger, when we're spiritually able to communicate about God and his love and the support of brothers and sisters and it's a witness. It's probably one of the best witnesses we have. One of the most unusual qualities of the Christian life. One of the most difficult to approach. But I bet if you're here still, and you are, you've had to approach this topic. Because as people come and people tell me good things about our church, and I like that. Do you like that? You know, some good things here. And they say things like healthy and better and I like it or whatever. That strokes you. But then I think, and I tell them almost every time, hey, it's just a matter of time. We will disappoint you. It could be with this conversation, this sermon. You will be disappointed. And, and see, that's a, that's a shallow kind of spirituality if we just, if the next disappointment throws us off. We got to decide to endure, endure hardship with honesty, humility, openness, even a spiritual surrender. And the world wonders why. Um, 
Man, we've all got struggles. We don't have time to go through mine. We don't have time to go through yours. Sometimes they're as small as a crowded lobby when you're trying to check in a retreat. And I, I couldn't even finish. I tried for 20 minutes and I just was so, my mind was so troubled that I had to run out to Kim and say, please take care of me, you know. But I really, I didn't even finish. I had to register the next day. Weird, eh? But there's other weird people in the room that, that don't like big crowds like that. And I love you, thank you. But you know, there's bigger situations, tons. And that hospital stuff, man, I've been there. You know, I've been there for people dying. I've been there almost dying myself. And it's an alternative universe. It's going on, we drive by quickly and try not to look. But there's tons of people going through lots of struggles every day. And uh, it isn't hard, is it? It isn't easy to rejoice in the Lord, always. Finally, I want us to go down to uh, one little section. And we'll finish up here. And you know what that means when people are preaching. Don't get too excited. <laughs> Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about such things. Put these things into practice. The God, will be with, God of peace will be with you. You see, there's a lot of emphasis on peace. The God of peace. The Lord is near. You know, he's about as near as we want him to be. He's right there. You know, you don't want to do this. You want to do this. And, you know, draw near to him. He'll draw near to us, you know. And, and he says, you know, we're going to have to work on our thinking. So it does start in our minds. And if you want to make a change, I'd start there. I'd start in the scriptures and start in your minds. And it's hard to do. In fact, it's nearly impossible to change your mind or mine. You might influence me. But I've got to ultimately decide to change mine. You know, with input, with scripture, with pain. <laughs> Where I might learn. How, how hard is it going to be to learn, right? That's the question. We will learn. How hard will it be? And you can determine that. But we've got to start in our minds and, you know, just to think about whatever is excellent, lovely, praiseworthy, you know, just to change what we're putting in to our minds. And folks, I mean, wow. I think the other day I had a CNN quiet time instead of a Bible quiet time. And I just was like sweating and anxious and unhappy and you know, after I had a real quiet time, I had to go out and just love up on everybody I saw in St. Louis. Everybody. Old, young, black, white, rich, poor. I mean, I was just meeting people and hugging them. People I didn't know. I'm talking about non-Christians. The brothers were pretty easy, right? You've known them for a long time. It just was like difficult. And I realized that I just can't do a steady dose of politics, a steady dose of radio, a steady dose of controversy, a steady dose of violence. It's just difficult. Am I? Are you? And you know, I'm like, I'm aware. I get two papers delivered to my house every day. I know what's going on. In fact, that maybe is one too many or two too many because, hey, you don't want to do that and not have a great quiet time, you know? But I know what's going on, but we've got to get in our mind just other things. Things that will help us to be at peace, have more contentment. Think about the month of July already. It's the 10th day. Have you spent much time in God's word? Yes or no? Have you spent any time outdoors? Yes or no? I know some of us have. Are you studying any spiritual books that deal with your needs? Yes or no? Are you watching too much the stuff I just mentioned? Yes or no? It's about that simple. And you can have a mind change where we start to view people, get our conflicts resolved. We, we start to be inwardly and outwardly happy and able 
to live Christian lives in this dark and present world and, and be that light that the world so desperately needs. I was talking to three women, you know, sports bars loosely described, it's what it was, but I was getting a tea. But there were three young women there that, you know, as a non-Christian and as a guy who's maybe sometimes not a good Christian, it, I wouldn't have gone and shared with them, right? Because they're, they're young women. And I thought, let me just go talk to these women and tell them about Jesus. And what I chose to emphasize was how Jesus treated women. I got a lot of women in my house. And I liked that he treated them well. I try to treat women well. One of the ladies, when I shared that, and I shared about how we look places and we come back empty and it's frustrating and we don't know how to approach God, Jesus, and we go to bed at night. You know, I gave her, like, this wasn't like, I don't always just say, hey, you want to come to church? I, mean, I sometimes get into, you know, really sharing a deeper message. She goes, I feel that way all the time. I thought, wow. You know, it's like, what do I do with that? I'm not typically ministering to 22-year-old bar, bartenders, you know, but particularly in St. Louis. But it's like, wow, so many people want this message, want to know how to live, how to think, how to change. And so how have you been spending your time so far? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so far. You know, we end up, we're not ending up, but we're going to end up, uh, and if someone else wants to preach more Philippians 4 next week, that's fine. I asked. They weren't sure. But I just want to finish with, because you can't not say Philippians 4.13, right? I mean, that'd be like a crime probably to not, not do that. Because it's like the ultimate positive verse. You know it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, you like the cue? Strengthens me. And I'm not a as you can tell, I'm not like a uh, motivational speaker or, you know, I have a power, power of positive thinking guy. I'm not going around the country. But, and that's not what that is. But we'd be better off if we had a lot of I can do thoughts through Christ who strengthens me rather than I can't, I shouldn't, I won't. I, you know, and these, and so much of our mind change comes back to are we thinking about us and our limitations? Are we talking, thinking about God and his unlimited love, unlimited patience, Jesus and his incredible power? Because I liked it, oh happy day when we got baptized. But I liked it one day we're going up yonder. And I'm closer than I used to be. So are you. The Lord is near. I didn't bother to look up whether that's near to us like this or near like from a timetable. Probably both. I know both. And... And you know, there's going to be that time when we go up yonder. In the meantime, we're at this point of inflection, I think, as a congregation where we're likely to go from 1,000 to 3 in the next few years. We've done, we've doubled a couple of times already. And what it's going to take is a lot of cooperation, a lot of good communication, a lot of graciousness toward one another, and uh, just the, the uh, spiritual growth in all our parts. My shoulders can only carry so much. How about yours? And they're pretty full right now. And, but I believe that we're growing as a congregation. We're maturing as a people. We're becoming more and more who we need to be. I'm excited about the next generation. I see great things happening. I couldn't be rejoicing more over all these things. And uh, so when it's all said and done, you can do all things 
but only through Christ who gives you the strength. Thank you very much.